here we are today on the fourth day of the holiday of Sukkot, and it's a rainy day outside. We're not able to be in our sukkah, and I'm going to take this opportunity to record an insight that I had over the holiday during the first two days of the holiday that has really, really blown my mind and shaped the the way I look at the sukkah. And I want to share that with you. It's it's to me super inspirational. The deeper meaning of the metaphor of sukkahs. What is the meaning of the sukkah? So I want to tell you a few things about a sukkah. A sukkah is essentially made up of walls covered with some sort of a natural material like um, branches or like a reed mat and or bamboo. And the the law of the of the the roof, it's called schach, is that this covering has to not be so tight that rain could get through and that you could see the sky. So um, what's really the significance of the sukkah and the walls? And now the Talmud tells us that the walls of the sukkah represent something called the Anane HaKavod, that the sukkah represents these clouds of glory, these divine spiritual clouds which accompanied the Jewish people in the desert on their journeys through the desert and protected us. It was basically God's presence protecting us through the journeys in the desert. And that is what the sukkah is representing and symbolizing. So what does that mean exactly? What's, what's the significance of the clouds? Now, I want to throw in something that we know according to Kabbalah. According to Kabbalah, it's explained that the roof of the sukkah represents God in his essence. Now, let me explain what that means. When we say the Shema prayer every day, we start out by saying, Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hero Israel, God is one. It doesn't mean that there's one God. It means God is absolute infinite oneness. And that's called what's known in, in, in Kabbalistic language, in the Hasidic writings, is called Yichud Ilah, which means the upper unity, where we meditate on the fact that all there is is God. God is complete and utter oneness. And that is the level of God which is beyond the world, which is the place of the world. and surrounds the entire universe. Complete oneness as he was before creation. And then after we say the Shema, we say a different verse, which is Baruch Shem Kavod Ed, which is that God's name and glory or honor of his kingship, of his kingdom, should be forever. Now, the idea of all those terms, of his name and his glory and his kingship, all these connote the idea of God in the world. Not God beyond the world, but God who's within the world. Another name for this is the Shekhinah, which is the feminine presence of God, which exists within all things, who fills the entire world. Not only does God surround the world, but God also fills the world with his presence. It's just hidden. Oftentimes we have to break through that hiddenness to reveal the godliness that is in this world. And our job as Jews is to unite the two. That's called the liyached kudshabrichu v'shechinte. In the Kabbalistic language, it means to unite the shechina, this world, with God, the next world. 
the, the spiritual reality, to bring them both together. And that's really the mindset before doing any mitzvah, is to bring together the physical with the spiritual. God beyond the world with God who's within the world. To bring out the spirituality that's latent and dormant within everything and every experience. So the Arizal, the great Kabbalist, explains that that's what's happening in a sukkah. The schach, the uh, covering of the sukkah represents, and the sukkah itself really represents God beyond the world, coming down. And then the lulav, the shaking, we shake these four different species of, of vegetation, a, called a, known as a lulav. It has myrtle and willows wrapped around with, with a branch from a palm tree. And then you also take a, an esrog, which is a, like a lemony citron fruit, and you bring them together. And these symbolize the different aspects of this world coming together. And that brings the godliness down into us, into our emotions and into our life. So there, there are two simultaneous different energies going on in Sukkot, and one is a God that's beyond and the God that's within. So the idea of, of the Yichud Tata, the lower unity, is essentially where we reveal God through the pieces of this world. That's that the company or the, um, or the, the players of this world all the different colors and shapes and aspects of creation should now come together in perfect harmony to reveal God's oneness. And, and uh, a beautiful way of expressing this is that God, before creation, the God that's beyond the world, is complete unity. He's complete oneness without parts or pieces. But there's a higher level than unity, and that's harmony. You see, you could sing in unison where everyone sings the same note, or you can sing in harmony when everyone sings different notes. Which is a greater represent, representation and revelation of oneness? The truth is, is, is harmony. When everyone's different, but coming together as one is the most beautiful expression of oneness. And so God wanted to reveal himself in creating the world. He wanted to reveal his oneness through us, through a world of disparity. Because that's the greatest expression that all there is is God, is when even the parts and pieces which are separate from God come together and reveal that unity. So our job is to take the pieces of this puzzle of this world and create a mosaic, create a symphony. That's the job of humanity. That's the messianic vision when everything comes together as one on earth as it is beyond. And we, So if I were to ask you for a metaphor to express this process, what is in nature the best way to express complete and utter simple oneness and perfection of God? If I had to take something in the world as a picture for that vision, which we can't comprehend, we can't comprehend oneness, just like we can't comprehend nothingness. They're really the same idea, something that's just purely one thing, just complete, simplistic not made up of any parts. So I believe there are two metaphors in this world to express that. One of them is white light. White light is made up of all the colors of the rainbow, but they're, they're hidden within, and all you see is one united color. 
And when that white light comes into this world, goes through the prism of this world, three-dimensional prism, it breaks down into all the colors of the rainbow. That's this world. Our job is to get to take all those colors of the rainbow and put them together in perfect order in a way that reveals an even greater level of unity than the white light did. All right, that's one way of expressing this. And perhaps we'll talk more about that metaphor another time, but there's another way. And I think that that uh, we do talk about light often in, in uh, Kabbalistic language, but the Torah itself, I think, gives a different metaphor, which I think is a, in certain, some many ways an easier metaphor to understand, especially throughout time before it was understood how light works. And that is the metaphor, I believe, of the sky. Look at a clear blue sky. It is the most beautiful image of pristine oneness that we have. Clear blue sky. It's 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 amazing to see. It's, it's awe-inspiring. And in fact, uh, before prayer, there's a custom of looking up at the sky to remind you of that unity. And the Torah itself says that at the revelation of Mount Sinai, the Jewish people saw an image of God, and under his feet was like sapphire brickwork that was like the sky in its purity. And I believe that that's referring to two different levels. The first level is the sky that's God's infinite, that represents God's infinite oneness above. So then what would be the reflection of that in this world representing the kingdom of God, the revelation of God in the pieces? And I believe that is water, the sea. As the Talmud tells us that tzitzis are supposed to have a blue string, turquoise string on the tzitzis, it's called a techelis, it's a color that was made from a certain aquatic animal. Many believe it was a certain type of snail that became hard to come by. We no longer have that exact color. It's, most people don't wear it. Some people do believe that they were able to discover what that, what exactly how that snail was trapped and the color was extracted, etc. But the Talmud says that looking at that string of blue is supposed to remind you of the sea. And it says the sea is supposed to remind you of the sky. And the sky is supposed to remind you of the divine throne of God. So whatever that means, we see that there's a correspondence, a direct correspondence between the water and the sky. Because the water reflects the blueness of the sky, but in many, many different parts. Because the sea is made up of all these different splashes and different rays of light and reflections and ripples. That represents this world. So if that's true, if I'm right about this metaphor, so then what represents God's oneness coming into this world? See, that would be rain. Because rain brings the oneness down into the world. And it's no coincidence that the entire holiday of Sukkot is essentially celebrating the cycle of the agricultural cycle in the land of Israel. All the holidays from Passover until Sukkot, the three main holidays, Passover, Shavuot, Sukkot, correspond to the agricultural cycle. Passover is called the holiday of springtime, when things begin to grow. In Israel, Israel is a desert environment, which means that it's dry for half the year. And then from now, from Sukkot time until uh, the end of the next summer, uh, Sukkot time until um, Passover, it begins to rain. 
for the next six months, there's a rainy season and then it becomes dry again. So all the growth that takes place takes place now during this time. And around Passover time, it's called the holiday of springtime when things begin to grow. Then Shavuos is it called the Chag HaKatsir, the cutting holiday, when all of the grain and all of the produce is reaped. Then it was left out in the field to dry over the, the dry summer months. And then on Sukkot, called the Chag HaAsif, it's the holiday of the harvest, of the collecting, when all that grain is then brought in to the storage houses for the winter. And that's essentially our food to, to help us throughout the winter months. Uh, it's a, essentially akin to getting your paycheck for the entire year right now on Sukkot. So on Sukkot, we're celebrating two things. One is we're celebrating the bringing in of the money for the year, getting our paycheck for the entire year it took place right now as we bring our grain in. And it's also celebrating the beginning of the cycle again. And therefore, most of the, of the prayers throughout this time period are prayers for rain. Because rain... Is, is essentially our livelihood. And the four species that we wave in the sukkah all have to do with um, plants that require a lot of rainwater. So it's, I tell people it's essentially a Jewish rain dance. We're waving these water species that represent water in, in the six directions of the world, left, right, up, the northeast, southwest, up and down, to push away the negative uh, environmental factors and to beckon in the the rain and the and we do every day in shul we dance around the circle waving these 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 plants again essentially praying for rain and praying for blessing to come into the world because now we can understand a little bit more about that that rain essentially represents blessing God's blessing coming into this world now we don't need rain in our lives nowadays but we do need blessing we need health and wealth and happiness and good things. And that's the symbol symbolism of rain. So if the sky represents God's oneness and the rain coming into this world represents God coming into this world and bringing his oneness into this world, so what's the medium in which, according to the metaphor, his blessing comes into this world? With what does he cause the rain to descend? That is through clouds. Clouds literally bring rain. And now we can understand the metaphor of the sukkah. Because the sukkah represents God's clouds. It represents, according to Kabbalah, God's embrace, divine protection surrounding us. But it also represents God coming into this world. That's why it's called clouds. God coming, descending into this world to share and bring that oneness to us. And there's another amazing thing that takes place on Sukkot. There's something called a sim, Simchas Beza Shoeva. There was a mitzvah in the Torah. There was a, a, an altar in the temple. And there were different things that were poured on this altar. There were different animals that were burned or spices, incense, uh, flour and oil offerings, wine libations. And on Sukkot, there was a special water libation. Water was poured on the altar. And it was a massive ceremony. The drawing of the water from the stream, from the from the uh, from the spring nearby the temple, and then the pouring of it on the on the altar was the biggest festival in the entire year of Judaism. And it says that through this process of the drawing of water, a person was able to draw divine prophecy. And there was no greater 
joy and celebration with dancing. And in fact, until today, Jewish communities around the world for the week of Sukkot have incredible dance celebrations every night with live music and, and circle dances and uh, amazing, amazing. If you go to Jerusalem to, to different Hasidic enclaves of, of Jerusalem, they will be dances throughout the night, all night. It's an unbelievable experience. So, so what what is this symbol symbolic of? So it's really this the, it's the opposite of this process. God brings rain and blessing into the world through the clouds, and that's the symbolism of the sukkah. And then we take that water and we offer it back up, and that's the completion of the process. When we complete the image, when we take all those pieces of water in the ocean that's reflecting God's oneness, and then we utilize it in order to connect back to God. Now we're taking the water and putting it back up. We're causing it to go back up. That's a symbolism of putting something on the altar. When you burn something on the altar, you cause it to rise up from physical to spiritual. And that's the symbolism of the pouring of the water is that now it's our turn to give back to God. And that's the ultimate pleasure in this world. That's what God wants. It's not that he should inspire us, but that we should inspire him, so to speak. That we should take what we've been given and return it to him. To be inspired, to inspire ourselves, so to speak. And and to give back to him. And that's called, actually, there are two concepts in Kabbalah. One is called the masculine waters. You see, water is everywhere. And then something called the feminine waters. And the, feminine, the masculine waters is when God comes down and inspires us. The feminine waters is when we take that inspiration, we inspire ourselves and give back from below. Uh, if you open up the Torah, the beginning of creation is full of these water metaphors, and it goes so deep. And this is just the tip of the iceberg to uncovering the depths of the holiday of sukkahs. But what comes out from all this is that the sukkah literally represents blessing coming into this world from beginning to end. And I was thinking about it when we look up at the schach, the, the covering above our head, which is supposed to uh, cover us from the sun and yet reveal the sky and the stars and allow rain to come through, that it's, it's really similar to clouds because clouds cover the oneness of the sky, right? What takes away from God's oneness is those clouds. And yet we're saying here that the clouds represent God's blessing. The answer is so unbelievable, is that for God to relate to us and connect us, he has to descend into our world. He has to lower himself. He has to hide his oneness and unity in order to create a reality where we exist and where he can relate to us. Because in the world of all there is is God, in the world of the, of the clear blue sky, there's no relationship. There is no other but in the world that's covered, where God's oneness is covered by clouds, it's known as a Hester Panim, or it's Simsum. God constricts himself, conceals himself in order to connect to us. So those clouds that cover the blue sky, it looks like it's a cloudy day. It looks gloomy and dreary. We have to know that really God is reaching out to us. It's through the darkness through the challenges, through those clouds that really their opportunity to connect. And that is really going on. Whenever things seem unclear, just know it's an even greater level of blessing 
It's about to be pouring down into your life. So I want to wish you a beautiful Sokis and a beautiful year, a year of blessing and bounty, a year of happiness, of connection, of health and wealth. And we should be blessed to connect and to feel God's embrace throughout the entire year.